Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. The lettuce chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on YouTube, and of course, for those that listen on the podcast rendition of this program, hello to you. And yes, hello to you in the chat room. Always nice to see you out there seeing some very, very familiar names. And yes, bring on Fetz. And that is exactly who is here, ladies and gentlemen, a man who needs no introduction, truly. I believe he is patiently waiting so without further ado, let's get down to brass taxes and bring in the one and only Mr. Jim Fetzer. And I believe Jim has his mic on now. Yes. What's going on, Jim? How are you? Oh, Michael, uh, so much. Uh, so disturbing. I've got one story here to open with that I think tells it all. Oh, my. Minneapolis Police Department advises residents to give in to criminals. Let me repeat that. Minneapolis Police Department advises residents to give in to criminals. I mean, this is just stunning. 
A Minneapolis Police Department is advising residents of the city, quote, be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse wallet if approached by robbers and, quote, do not argue or fight with a criminal. Do as they say. These robbery prevention tips were circulated by the department and reported by local ABC affiliate KSTP5. They advise the city is suffering an increase in robberies and carjackings, especially in the 3rd Precinct, the area of the city in which George Floyd was killed in police custody on Memorial Day and rioters destroyed police headquarters. By the way, you know, as Henry Kissinger observed, uh, the facts don't matter, only perceptions. George Floyd wasn't killed. It was a, a, a magician's trick. He was handcuffed with his hands behind his back and put into the squad car to be taken to the precinct to be uh, booked and mugshot. But instead of driving off, they took him out or pretended to take him out the other side, put him on the ground, except he had hair on his head when he was put in the car. What they put on the ground had no hair on its head. He was manacled behind his back when he was put in the car, but he had no manacles and his arm was in front of his chest when he was put on the ground. And when they lifted him up to put him in a gurney, Michael, he had no legs. They were using a Sigma-7 African-American medical training torso, completely outrageous. In fact, Sigma-7, I think, was so concerned that they'd be found out that they moved out of Minneapolis post-haste. Meanwhile, what's going on there? Other cities have reported dramatic increases in crime, including shootings and murders, since the Black Lives Matter protests and riots erupted. One Minneapolis resident who refused to give in without a fight was 99-year-old Evelyn Johnson, who fought with an intruder. He thought he was just going to cover my mouth and smother me, but that didn't happen. I fought him. We wrestled for quite a while, according to to all my bruises, she told KTSTP. The Democrat-dominated Minneapolis City Council unanimously approved a resolution in June to abolish a police department, much to the chagrin of local leaders in the black community who spoke out against the plan in July. A local Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that local black leaders had called the plan to abolish or defund the police, quote, egregious, grotesque, absurd, crazy, ridiculous. Michael, I mean, think about it. The police telling the residents of their city to, as it were, cooperate with the criminals? I mean, this is just grotesque. It really is. I can't believe this is going on, Jim, to be honest with you. It's like a a terrible movie that's happening right before our very own eyes, Jim. I know. You think this was a, a, a piece by Kafka. Right. Inverted, inverted everything. Now, but, by the, the way, Jim, I, I just wanted to quickly mention, I did see that video you are referring to with, uh, I guess you could say it's, it's a mannequin of sorts with no legs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a training torso. It's like a mannequin. It's a half mannequin or a third of a mannequin. It's a, it's a upper part of the body. Continue, Jim. That is just bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. My second of the three tells for you and your audience, Michael, is the following. Ratings crash for NBA MLB after protest-filled debuts. As the NBA and MLB, that's, of course, Major League Basketball, return from the coronavirus-imposed hiatus, it appears TV viewers are not interested in what the increasingly woke leagues have to offer. With both baseball and basketball draped 
in all sorts of Black Lives Matter and social justice symbolism for their opening games. A substantially smaller number of fans turned in to the rest of the week's games. According to Outkick.com, neither league did well. For the opening games, Outkick reported that the return of the NBA and TNT saw the following numbers. Lakers, Clippers, 3.4 mil. Pelicans, Jazz, 2.1. ESPN's Major League Basketball numbers were also underwhelming. Yankees, National, 4 million. Dodgers, Giants, 2.8. Outlooks, Ryan Gillespie added more rating numbers. I compared uh, Major League Basketball versus NBA return night one. Here is night two, he wrote. Major League Basketball on ESPN. Mets Braves, 922,000. Brewers, Cubs, a million. Angels, Astros, 797,000. Then NBA last night. This is on July 31st. Celtics, Bucks, 1.3 million. Mavs, Rockets, 1.7. For good reason, they point out that basketball, baseball can't blame the coronavirus. It didn't stop people from watching the Tom Brady golf with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson back in May. Indeed, that charity golf match earned record TV ratings, dubbed the match too. The game featured Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tiger Woods with an amazing 6.3 million viewers and raised more than 20 million for charity. And I'll tell you, uh, Michael, it's not going to change the the very idea that they could uh, run all this Black Lives Matter into professional sports and think it's going to go over with a public is absurd. I mean, we like these sports for entertainment because they don't involve politics. You're right. And now they're dragging in politics. I mean, they're 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 mucking the whole thing. Oh, massively, Michael. And I know you are a big fan of uh, football, Jim. And are you at all concerned with the season, per se? Well, I am am much more a fan of college sports than I am pro, but I was very troubled when Barry Alvarez, who's a director of athletics for UW-Madison, where I reside just 10 miles south of Madison, observed that if if they call off the football season, all athletic programs for the university are going to be canceled, in effect, because they're funded out of the huge take, you know, for football. So I'm very, very troubled, especially because I've done the research, and this whole thing is a gigantic fraud. They don't actually even have a test specific for this coronavirus, which is technically known as SARS-CoV-2. Uh, rather, what they're doing in their tests is for antibodies, which one would have if they'd ever had a cold, because the cold virus is in the whole family of coronaviruses. So the whole thing is a monstrous hoax. In fact, when the country started to recover rapidly, they sent out you know more and more testing because they knew more and more testing would run up the numbers, the positive numbers. And where I've written letters to the editor of the Wisconsin State Journal, for example, explaining that there's a fallacy of equivocation taking place here, that they're talking about the increasing number of cases, but you would be counted as a case if you simply had the antibodies. That doesn't mean you're sick versus actually being sick. There's no discrimination. So again, these monster number of cases, but Michael... The number of deaths isn't rising proportionally. That means the death rate is actually falling. So Trump has made this point, but the public is oblivious. We were 
we are the most unsophisticated <clears throat> and scientifically illiterate nation in the world. We'll fall for anything, which is why we've been saps for so many, you know, uh, uh, plays, staged events from Sandy Hook to the Boston bombing to Orlando to Charlottesville to Parkland to Las Vegas, where based upon my research, collaborative research with other experts, nobody died at any of those events, with the possible exception of Heather Heyer, <clears throat> who was supposed to have been killed by a car in Charlottesville, except she didn't kill, die in the car crash. She died the following day, it appears, of a heart attack, and where her mother, Susan Bro, turns out to be the same woman who played the mother of a teacher at Sandy Hook, Donna Soto, mother of Victoria Soto. So they're recycling their crisis actors, Michael. I mean, it's insulting. But the American public just accepts it hook, wine, and sinker. Now, here's my third story uh, <clears throat> that sums it all up. Poll. Trump takes lead over Biden. Right. A, a new poll released this weekend shows President Donald Trump, the incumbent GOP president, has taken a national and battleground state lead over Democrat challenger, presumptive nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden. A survey from the Democracy Institute commissioned by the Sunday Express newspaper shows Trump leading Biden 48 percent to 46. What's more, <clears throat> Trump has opened a bigger lead, according to the poll in the crucial battleground states, meaning the president, by this pollster's estimate, currently is projected to win 309 electoral votes, more than he did in 2016. Overall, this poll has Trump nationally at 48 to Biden's 46 percent, with 6 percent undecided. Among white voters, Trump leads 53 to 46. Trump is surprisingly strong with the black voters at 20 percent in this poll. He got about 8 percent of the black vote in 2016, while the survey had Biden at 77. Hispanic voters break for Biden 51 to 38, which would also represent an increase for the president over his 2016 performance with Hispanics. <clears throat> Critically, Trump has a lead of 48 to 43 percent in the swing states of Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, which would put him back in the White House with an electoral college tally of 309 to Biden's 229. The Trump has poll leading in Florida, 47 to 45, Minnesota, 46 to 45, New Hampshire, 46 to 43. The polling suggests Mr. Trump is emerging as the race leader because of a belief he is best in handling the economy. With a third of the voters playing the economy as a top election issue and 66 percent thinking the economy is bouncing back after coronavirus, voters believe Trump is better for the economy by 57 to 43%. Now, I have no doubt about that, because if you look at the economic rubble that's being generated here, you find that uh, the guy who brought us the most robust economy the world is, uh, you know, the, the United States has ever known is surely the right choice to rebuild the economy. Right. And, and, and get this too, Michael. It turns out that uh, in, in December, Rasmussen had a poll of black likely voters, and already 40% uh, of black likely voters were supporting Trump. Now, I'll tell you what's going on here. Because he's done so much for the economy, 
because he has, you know, constrained at the flow of uh, illegals over the southern border with Mexico, where they had historically been taking the positions from the lowest wage-earning black and Hispanic population, they're doing better. And in fact, before the coronavirus and the lockdown, their wages were rising at the highest rate. And indeed, there are two more polls since. One that's about a month old uh, showed 37% of black uh, blacks were going to support Trump. Whether that was specifically black likely voters, I'm uncertain. But here's yet another poll showing that 49% of blacks were supporting Trump. And with, I mean, the Democratic Party simply cannot win with numbers like that, Michael. Here, here are two more stories, by the way, that reinforce what I'm reporting. Zogby. Majority see Trump as law and order president. <clears throat> A majority of likely U.S. voters agree with President Donald Trump's assertion he is the law and order candidate in this November's election. Uh, many people have taken their anger and frustration to the streets to protest police brutality and racism, Zogby concluded. Critics across the nation have witnessed mostly peaceful protests, but some have turned violent. And while some of these frustrations are justified, there have been many instances of, of, of chaos that are not. So that <clears throat> we're getting the message out where people live as a, a here, here it is. Only 25% of Democrats believe Trump is a law and order candidate. 75% disagree, but still... There's a majority, 52% overall, who strongly or somewhat believe Trump is a law and order candidate. Uh, uh, Trump still has yet to win over the suburbs, where residents live plays a factor. Voters in suburbs, 59% disagree, 41% agree. On the other hand, in cities, 54% agree, 46% disagree. Small cities, 58% agree, 42% disagree. Living in rural areas, 57% agree, 43% disagree. So that's, you know, very, very significant. Because I mean, what do the Democrats think that by destroying these cities, by allowing these criminals to run rampant with riots and looting, they were going to win votes? Meanwhile, here's another Zogby. You never know, Jim. We live in a crazy world. Indeed. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's another vote, vote Zogby. Most voters believe Trump will win re-election. 51% of likely voters, regardless of their political support, believe President Donald Trump will win re-election, compared to 43% who think Biden will be, real, will be elected. The remaining 6% are uncertain. Here, here's the way it breaks down, Michael. 57% of men, regardless of their political support, whether the Democrats, Republicans, or Independents, believe Trump will win. 47% of women think Trump will be reelected, but 46 think Biden will win. 58% of those recently lost a job believe Trump will win, compared to 34% Biden. 51% say Democrats are the greater threat to the economic recovery and to the, in the, to the U.S., compared with 49% who say the Republicans. I'm telling you, Michael, this is just a simply absurd situation. My goodness. By the way, Jim, is the wife voting for Biden? Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, she is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> she she believes every word out of Rachel Maddow's mouth. I oh, she watches you. that. 
Unbelievable. I, I can't believe it. I had no idea she was a fan. Well, we, yeah, we, uh, we have had, I mean, we've been married 43 years. My goodness, Jim. We've had the worst arguments of our entire life over politics, Trump versus the Democrats. Right. I mean, it's, some of them have been really, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty wild. <laughs> I can't believe what's going on, to be honest with you. And by the way, I, I hate to stop this wonderful conversation here, but someone in the chat, they wanted to know your opinion on the coming vaccine. And, you know, that is something, uh, COVID-19, by the way, the, a vaccine for COVID. Uh, last show, I talked about uh, a vaccine coming out by, of course, our friend Bill Gates. And, of course, there's a Russian vaccine that's also coming down the pipeline. And I was just curious what your opinion was on the vaccine, Jim, and if you would take this concoction that Bill Gates has created, or would you take the vaccine from Russia? Your thoughts and opinions, Jim, go ahead. Well, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz has a brilliant uh, piece about this, which is on my blog at jamesfetzer.org, and she's pointing out that there's all kinds of rubbish in these vaccines or what they're trying to pass off as vaccines, including abortive tissue, heavy metals, but also microchips, stuff that's going to be a a brain-body interface so they can affect your thoughts and your behavior. They're going to microchip you to get uh, so they can control all your expenditures once they have totally a digital, uh, you know, financing, they can keep a note what every purchase you make, whether it's a candy bar, a shotgun or going to the movies. Right. And as the brilliant film enemy of the state so clearly illustrated, if you don't behave, if you don't conform to their expectations, they can cut you off. So what they're really doing is imposing a, 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 a Chinese style uh, behavior shaping or social merit system. It's, right. uh, it's, it's stunning. Now, what the point Catherine Austin Fitz makes is that the Congress in its infinite stupidity in the past actually passed, uh, legislation that exempted, uh, big pharma from any harms caused by their vaccines so that if if Gates could palm off this concoction, which Catherine Austin Fitz described as injectables, mm. could pass off these injectables as vaccines, that then he would be free from liability. He's already estimated if he had a worldwide vaccine, it would kill an estimated 100, 700,000 uh, people. Uh, 1% of, uh, seven popula- world population of about 7 billion. But it could kill millions and millions more. I mean, and Gates would be completely exempt if he can get it from liability, if he can get it classified as a vaccine. So the point that Catherine Austin Fitz makes is, <clears throat> This is this is uh, clearly not medicine they're talking about. This com, com, combination of a, 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 a abortion tissue, uh, fetal tissue, of uh, heavy metals, and of you know mini credit cards and, and mind brain interface. So if it's not a medicine, it's obviously not a vaccine, and most clearly should not have any protection. This is a complete scam. It's also part of why 
uh, this guy, uh, Bill Gates, has talked about sharing the opinion with uh, Donald Trump that uh, the kids should go back to school because he's going to use that as an excuse. They should go back to school, but only if they're vaccinated. Remember, for Bill Gates, these vaccines, vaccines are a business. Right. He makes money, potentially tons and tons of money, billions of dollars. I mean, if he could vaccinate everyone in the world, trillions of dollars. I mean, it's just scary. It really What's is. Going on here. So, it really is. And I, I mean, Jim. Opposed to these vaccines. Uh, right. Alan Dershowitz recently made the completely absurd argument that we didn't have the right to oppose a mandated vaccination. But the federal government doesn't have a role here in our health care. The federal government doesn't have the right to act as our physician. And they're not entitled to perform any procedure on us without informed consent. In other words, we are entitled to know the risks and the benefits associated with any uh, medical treatment to which we might be subjected, to which we should not be subjected without our informed consent. And just to review the bidding, there was a Gates vaccine in India uh, related to polio, which India had actually already extinguished, that wound up paralyzing 500,000 children in India. They, They had another vaccine they were working with in Africa that was killing kids right and left. The H1N1 vaccine for the earlier flu causes brain damage. And everyone in the country, I presume, knows by now that the, uh, the, 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 the ordinary, uh, the vaccines that are be given to children that have metallic, they have either mercury or aluminum bases induce autism. It's a perfect statistical correlation. The more vaccines with a, uh, mercury or, or, or aluminum bases, the greater the increase in autism, the, the reduction of the vaccines, reduction in autism, where estimates have it at the rate we're vaccinating children by 2050, half of our children will be autistic. My goodness, Jim. And of course, I wanted to bring up another audio clip here that I'm not sure if you've heard, but a news reporter or a journalist, whatever you want to call him, by the name of Clay Clark went on Newsmax and said some very interesting things about our friend, Mr. Bill Gates. Have you heard that audio, Jim? No, go ahead. Oh, my. Here we go. And and in fact, there could be negative outcomes for those that don't. Well, one, we should definitely open up the schools, and we need to stop listening to Dr. Fauci, who is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates. And all of your listeners know this, I know this, you know this, we all know this, but Jeffrey Epstein's not a good man, and uh, Bill Gates spent a lot of time with Mr. Jeffrey Epstein. So I don't think we should be listening to a pedophile for how to treat our kids, period. And we shouldn't be listening to people who spend time with pedophiles as it relates to our kids. So if Bill Gates wanted to watch my kids as a babysitter, I wouldn't let him do it. I'm certainly not going to use a vaccine he recommends. And Bill Gates has asked Dr. Fauci to serve on his board for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So stop listening to Bill Gates and Dr. Fauci. They are corrupt individuals. And Bill Gates hangs out with pedophiles consistently. Why would he hang out with Epstein? Why would he do that? It's sick. Okay. My goodness. And yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> I had heard that before. Oh, you did hear that. Uh, that? Yeah, that was sensational. And, of course, the anchor was just flabbergasted. that she hadn't expected, and there was nothing she could do once he launched into that brilliant critique. And every word of that was deserved. I refer to this guy as Dr. Anthony Tony the Rat Fauci. 
he's out there promoting all these contraindicated procedures, such as the lockdown, social distancing, and face masks. We even have a, a new uh, report from the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is the most highly respected medical scientific organization in the country, where the AMA is just a, a business thing. The AMA is a publicity and you know marketing organ and tends to side with all kinds of bad procedures if they're going to benefit uh, you know, the the business end of medicine. But here we have the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons sounding off on face masks. They've done a very thorough explanation showing the size of the of the virus. I call it uh, one micron, you know, 0.1 micron. Um, but the mass will only filter out 0.3 and larger uh, so that these masks aren't doing any good. Let me read you some of the actual, you know, quotes right from it. There's quite a lot. Uh, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say more than 10 minutes or even 30 the chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflective reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. Uh, healthy people wearing masks, should they or shouldn't they? Absolutely not. It's a huge mistake to be wearing the mask. Uh, surgical masks are loose fitting designed to protect a patient from the doctor's respiratory droplets. The wearer is not protected from other airborne particles. People do not wear masks properly. Some people have the mask under the nose. The wearer right. does not have glasses on. The eyes are a portal of entry. The designer masks and scarves offer minimal protection. They give a false sense of security to both the wearer and those around the wearer. If you're walking alone, no mask. Avoid, folks. That is common sense. Remember. Children under two should not wear masks. Accidental suffocation and difficulty breathing in some. If wearing a mask makes people go out and get vitamin D, go for it. In the 1918 flu pandemic, people who went outside did better. Early reports are showing people with COVID-19 with low vitamin D do worse than those with normal levels. Perhaps that's why shut-ins do so poorly. If you are sick, stay home. Now, as I say, that the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is the most important, significant, mainstream medical scientific organization in the United States. The American Medical Association uh, pales by comparison. Those are politicians. These are actual scientists and physicians. Here's a clip from uh, Dr. Fauci, by the way. No reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. Boy, they. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them. Yes, that was early in the game, by the way, Jim. 
Oh, I know it was. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, F- F- Fauci is just a disgusting person. He's uh, been very much at the center of this. He's a bureaucrat. He appears to have gone into uh, bureaucratic positions uh, virtually immediately, that he graduated first in his medical school, then did a residency, but never practiced as a physician. So he has never had any actual patient-physician responsibilities where he was their specific physician other than training ops. And he's been a disgrace. He has been responsible for more damage to the United States than any other figure in our history, Michael. I'm wearing a hazmat suit, by the way. I'm sorry? I'm wearing a hazmat suit as we conduct this interview, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like a movie outbreak. (laughs) That's pretty funny. But by the way, Jim, as as we're having this conversation, I was just thinking about Epstein and his relationship with Bill Gates. Obviously, they gave each other. Well, Gates gave um, Epstein a large sum of money, obviously. And I was just thinking, hmm, what is that connection? What 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 was it? And then I realized, oh, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein at one time. Well, I shouldn't say one time. He has always been into eugenics and well, Gates is as well. That's a one small unique connection they have and interest they have. And even at one time, Epstein was very interested in, in seeding the world with, with his creation at one time, Jim, uh, as strange as that sounds. You mean actually, you mean by artificial insemination? No. Well, he, he wanted to just, uh, spread a seed with, with some woman over in one of his ranches in New Mexico, if I recall correctly. He had some strange thing going on, if I recall. And that just popped up into my mind right now. I know there was a story about that. Sure. Yes, now now I see it. Now I see it, yes. It says, Jeffrey Epstein hoped to seed human race with his DNA. And that was oh, in yeah. his, his ranch in New Mexico, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes, It actually was. He actually did want to impregnate the world, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> a, it's a grotesque story. What a sick man. Oh, absolutely. But he was. this was also... Uh, an Israeli intel op to entrap, uh, you know, the American elite, especially political figures, but also other prominent countenances like Alan Dershowitz himself, who actually Tucker invited on to his show to offer rebuttal, but he was ridiculous. He was attacking Virginia Roberts, who's been a completely honest soul and explained what was going on and about you know, who she was assigned to have sex with and all that, including, of course, Prince Andrew, where we even have a a, a photograph of her with Prince Andrew. Uh, and, of course, the, 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 the Crown would like to suggest it was Photoshop, but there's no reason whatsoever to think that's the case. Right. And, of course, so. Jim, I'm glad you mentioned that because we do have audio of Alan right here. And, oh. and yeah, that's what he's talking about to be unsealed. I don't want anything sealed. I don't want anything redacted. Every video, every photograph should come out because I did nothing wrong. And all the evidence will prove that these newly released documents include emails from the woman who accused me in which she essentially admits she never met me and never heard of me. And then she's told to put me in the book. It'll help her sell the book. So she puts me in her manuscript, which was also unsealed yesterday. And in the manuscript, she essentially said, She never met me. She saw me once talking to Jeffrey Epstein, but she never met me. And this is a manuscript in which she names George Mitchell as somebody she had sex with. 
bunches of other people that she claimed she had sex with. But when it comes to me, even though she was told to put me in the book, she basically says, no, but I didn't have sex with Alan Dershowitz. I just saw him once talking to Jeffrey Epstein. So these are smoking guns that prove categorically that this woman, with the help of her lawyers, made up this story for money. And there ought to be investigations. This is a woman who has roiled three continents. She has affected elections in Israel by accusing Ehud Barak. She has affected the British royal family. She has accused many American politicians, Bill Richardson, Leslie Wexner, you name it. She's gone through basically Jeffrey Epstein's Rolodex, found every famous person. She has accused Al Gore and Tipa Gore of cavorting with Epstein on the so-called pedophile island. She has accused Bill Clinton. And she's made up so many stories that the media should be investigating her. I invite the media to investigate me. I wrote a column for the Wall Street Journal urging the FBI to investigate me because I have another guy. I've had sex with one woman. Since the day I met Jeffrey Epstein, my wife, I don't flirt, I don't touch, I don't hug. I am totally and completely innocent, and I invite a complete and thorough investigation. And I, I know you're close to the president, too, and I wanted to ask you, um, there was references to these unsealed documents, not just your name, but also a major hotel um, chain owner. And there's been accusations out there on social media that that's President Trump. Since you're close to him, you know, what were your thoughts on that? No, it isn't. I know who it is. It's the owner of a hotel chain in Chicago, a relative of the governor of uh, Chicago, Pritzker. Um, and uh, I know that through my own investigation. She's accused him also. She's accused everybody. If you were in Epstein's Rolodex, you get accused. Al Gore and Tipa Gore, she swore that she saw him walking on the beach with Jeffrey Epstein. Al Gore never met Jeffrey Epstein. Didn't even know who he was. She swore she was with Bill Clinton and two young girls. Secret Service records prove that isn't true. Her own lawyer say they don't believe her, that no prominent public people are involved, and that Leslie Wexner is telling the truth when he denies that she had sex with him on five to ten occasions. If her own lawyer don't believe her, why should the media believe her? My why should goodness. anybody believe her? And there you have it, Jim. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I, it was nonsense. I mean, what, what Dershowitz is saying is, is provably false. I mean, this means he's cornered. He, he He's desperate. He's lying his face off. I mean, it's very embarrassing. That was a time when I thought Alan Dershowitz was a reputable person. But when he sold out over vaccinations and came to the defense of mandated vaccination, uh, where Bobby... Uh, Kennedy Jr. did quite a good job of ripping him a new one in a debate they recently had on this very subject and then came out to, you know, try to attack Virginia Roberts, who was there performing these sex acts on the various individuals she has identified. I mean, it, it's just disgraceful. I mean, Alan Dershowitz has sold his soul. That's right. He, he'll never have it back. Now, what about Bill Clinton denying that he's ever been on Lolita Express? Oh, that's just silly. I mean, he actually was on Lolita Express some 26 times. It's <sighs> all recorded. And by the way, there's been a recent revelation, a release of documents. The court directed they be released, and they were released redacted. But it turned out that if you transferred them to a certain system, the redactions failed and you could get the names of everyone. And Alan Dershowitz was among them. My goodness, Jim. And of course, we are coming to a close soon. I didn't want to take up too much of your time. And uh, Jim, my home state of California, 
was engulfed by flames earlier. I'm not sure if that's still going on. But I, of course, get the occasional messages from listeners asking me if I'm all right. And I appreciate the concern sincerely. The only issue is, uh, Jim, I'm way down south, out here, away from the mountains, far below sea level. Although we lack uh, the fire, we are still being roasted by the sun out here in all central California. It honestly feels like I'm stepping outside to an oven, Jim. Well, you know... Your governor has been... He's kind of nuts. The, the most tyrannical. <laughs> yes. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, disloyal and abusive of the citizens of California, of his state, even more so than Andrew Cuomo in New York, or this woman Whitmer up in Michigan. Notice how it's Democrat governors who are carrying the spear, who are being the point men and the point women for to impose devastating effects upon the citizens of their states. It's absolutely stunning. It really is. And Jim, of course, I did want to ask you about your recent legal battle. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been through the mill. Um, I had uh, not only did I... Uh, lose a lawsuit that I ought to have won handily, but for violations of the legal protocols that govern summary judgments, which a judge in this case simply tossed into the trash bin, including setting aside two document experts' reports substantiating my position, whereas the plaintiffs had none, and where the trial for damages was ludicrous with all kinds of unsubstantiated claims made and character assassination by innuendo and where they had an expert who'd never actually diagnose a patient other than having a conversation with a plaintiff over the phone for about 30 minutes and otherwise was reciting what he'd been told by his a defense attorney for $450,000 for without without it turns out even establishing that I was at fault that I did anything negligent I had very good reasons for everything I wrote I was very studious I had a, it was a co co cumulative co a collaborative work where I brought together 13 experts including six current or retired PhD professors and where we established that the school had been closed by 2008 that was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards that there were no children there and that it was a FEMA drill uh, technically a mass casualty exercise involving children which was promoted as mass murder for the sake of gun control. One of our contributors Paul Preston who's himself a school administrator in the past who's actually supervised live shooter drills uh, actually was so disturbed by what he saw broadcast from Newtown that day that he reached out to his contacts in the Obama Department of Education, all of whom confirmed to him that it had been a drill, that no students had been harmed, and it was done to promote gun control. Well, early on, the judge precluded that whole line of defense, which was my first line of defense, namely showing that it wasn't even a mass shooting. And therefore, any claims about the deaths of children would have to be fabrications that he wouldn't allow me to make that argument. I had other arguments about the specific document in question, but where the judge and the defense counsel ignored the fact that this death certificate was uncertified, where it's a matter of Connecticut law 
that not even parents are allowed to have an uncertified death certificate and where the death certificate attached to the complaint with which I was served to initiate the lawsuit was one that was town certified, state certified, and had a file number, whereas the one that had been published in the book had none of the above, so that in essence I was being sued over a death certificate I'd never seen before, commented upon, or published. I mean, it was outrageous. And then when I sought to find impeachment witnesses in my belief that the party who came and declared himself to be Leonard Posner for the sake of a video deposition was not the same person whose image had been published millions of times around the world, when following my understanding of the statutes of Wisconsin, that in securing a, uh, an impeachment witness, neither the court nor the plaintiff needs to be notified in advance, I was uh, taken to task by the uh, court for having shared the video deposition in my effort to put together uh, uh, impeachment witnesses, including in particular Wolfgang Halbig, who actually wrote to four different branches of the FBI, four different station chiefs, asking what is uh, what are the consequences for impersonating Lenny, Leonard Posner at a, a legal deposition in, in, in Wisconsin? Amazing. <laughs> I don't believe he ever got the answer. But, but the fact of the matter is because I had shared this with, with one party specifically, but authored her to share it with Wolfgang Halbig. I was held in contempt of court, and initially I was fined $7,000, but then I was brought back in a second time, and the judge went out of his way, even though this is a completely contrary to Wisconsin practice, where legal fees are not awarded to try to fabricate an excuse to award legal fees, so we added 650000 more in legal fees, Michael. So for having exposed the, the, the monstrous hoax of Sandy Hook, I wound up being saddled with $1.1 in legal fees. Wow. Now, what in a judgment against me now, I do not expect to ever have to pay a nickel of that judgment. In fact, I have no intention of doing so. <laughs> yes. But I do have legal fees that have run up to $70,000. I paid 30000 of those. Damn. But if, any, if anyone were disposed to lend a hand, no money donated to my legal defense fund would go to pay off this $1.1 mil. It would all go to support my attorney in our ongoing efforts where the appeal has been filed with the appellate court, and you can read the appeal on my blog. Uh, just go to jamesfetzer.org, and you'll find the the uh, appeal there, and where I explain how you could donate to me where you're so disposed, uh, but it would need to be a check or a money order. My efforts to establish a GoFundMe were thwarted. I, yeah. I believe it's the plaintiff who's been going around to try to make it impossible for me to put together funds to pay the legal fees. You could write to, to me at James Fetzer Legal Defense Fund, 800 Violet Lane, 800 Violet Lane, Oregon, Wisconsin, Oregon, the town, same name as the state, 53575. I acknowledge all donations. I would be most appreciative if anyone, 
you know, feels that the defense of the First Amendment is appropriate and worthwhile. You can go onto my blog and look for Sandy Hook or uh, uh, the the appeal or other, and you'll find right away as you start working backwards. Uh, you can read the whole appeal, and if that convinces you this is a worthy cause, I'd be very grateful, and you will receive a formal acknowledgement from me for any donation you might be so generous as to provide. Definitely. And my God, I, I appreciate that. Let me add, by the way, that I put together a wonderful conference for <clears throat> Austin, Texas, on the 7th and 8th of November. It's called the Question Everything 2020 conference, which I will be moderating. I have some of the best experts in the world on JFK, including David W. Mandic, MD, PhD, is the leading medical expert, uh, expert on the medical evidence in the assassination in the world, Larry Rivera, who's been doing the most brilliant cutting-edge research, Rousen Kay, who's discovered, surprisingly enough, that an FBI agent impersonating Jack Ruby actually shot Lee Oswald on television. I also have a wonderful woman, a Newtown mother, who's speaking out about Sandy Hook by the name of Rebecca Carnes. I also have a wonderful professor of law who's published two volumes on the godfathers of sex abuse, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, and Jeffrey Epstein. I also have Dr. Catherine Horton, who's a Ph.D., particle physicist from Oxford University has been leading the legal assault uh, against those who are uh, uh, torturing targeted individuals using, by and large, uh, directed energy weapons. I myself will be sending a, uh, a piece about the faking of hate crimes and how the, the uh, Jussie Smollett uh, attack in Chicago is completely staged, that it involved uh, two black Nigerian bodybuilders who are playing the role of rednecks, one of whom was Jesse Smollett's personal trainer, the other an extra on the set of the of the show where he was an actor whom he paid with a $3,500 personal check. I will be showing, as I explained here, how George Floyd was in fact not in, actually killed by the police, but how they perform a magician's trick and substituted this training torso from Sigma 7 for George Floyd, uh, and also how uh, 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 Booba Wallace, you know, was part of an elaborate charade where they took a, a, a handle, a door handle, uh, that your fist could fit in but couldn't possibly serve as a noose, described as a noose, subsequently cut it down and then replaced it, with something much more substantial that was tied to look like a news, which NASCAR has promoted. So we find all these organizations and institutions are pulling our chains, swindling us, deceiving us. I'm doing my best to expose it. And if you go to my new uh, website, jimtheconspiracyguide.com, you'll find I have a whole list of shows that I've been giving about uh, the coronavirus, about uh, the moon landing, about the New Zealand uh, fake shooting of the mosque, about how to spot a false flag part one, how to spot a false flag part two, where I cover 15 or 20 of these fake staged events. More recently about how the, the DNC has been using Antifa and Black Lives Matter to raise money for the Democratic Party, where if you go to 
uh, donate to Black Lives Matter. It goes right to Act Blue, and it's money distributed to Elizabeth Warren, to Kamala Harris, to Joe Biden, and others. It's a complete sham, and where they're using Antifa and Black Lives Matter not to promote social justice or the interests of the a black community of America, but rather as a weapon to do attack Donald Trump. But as you can see from the stories with which we began, Michael, it's backfiring. Right. Uh, uh, it, it, most of the black community is completely appalled. And frankly, I believe to the Democrat chagrin uh, that Donald Trump is going to win the lion's share of black votes and he's going to have a handy reelection. But they're going to do their best to steal it. That's why they're placing all this emphasis on mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots are easy to fabricate and fake. Jim, so I got a Democratic I, Party trying to steal the election, and they're counting on Google to shift as much as ten percent of the vote to the Democratic candidate, even if he's brain damaged and cognitively incompetent, <laughs> as is the present nominee, Joe to be Joe Biden. By the way, Jim, we do have a call for you, I, I believe, and. They've been patiently waiting. Now, caller, can you hear us? I can't hear you. Thanks for the stopping the train in the station. The freight train. Hey, uh, the freight train has come to a stop. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Fetzer, big fan. I've uh, been listening to you since you had the Beatles on uh, your, your show, I don't know, early 2000s. Um, wanted to ask you, you're a, a big fan of uh, Mr. Lear. Uh, what's, what's his oh, name? John uh, Lear. Yeah, the pilot. Yeah, John. John Lear. Yeah, John Lear was on the program with uh, me and Jim. Yeah, that was one of the most epic shows ever. Uh, I have to ask Jim, since he was a fan of Mr. Lear, what, what's his opinion on uh, Mr. Bob Lazar? Who? Oh, so you don't know the name Bob Lazar. And then you got your Robert answer. Lazar. Well, maybe, maybe uh, it sounds vaguely. Tell me about Bob Lazar, and let me, I'll see if I can piece it together. So, so Bob Lazar was the one that put Area 51 on the map. He was the leak that he said he was working on alien technology and has all these documented sources and is very, very, very credible, very intelligent man, very articulated. Uh, yeah. The man has built his own particle accelerator. You know, he yeah. built an, a rocket engine in his car, super intelligent man. But he was the one that leaked that he was back engineering alien craft at Area 51 in the late 80s. And, um, and, and uh, Lear was one of his caveats in the whole um, leaking and getting all this information out to the public. I was just wondering if you knew that name or had any opinion on that. No, but I take your word for it. I mean, it sounds like he's an impressive guy, and if he was the party who exposed Area 51, well done. There's some belief, by the way, that some of the moon landing footage was actually shot in that area. I am also going to have... Three guys who are experts on the moon landing, whom I recently interviewed, including Scott Henderson, who are going to be giving a video presentation. It's, I think, the only video presentation presently scheduled for the Question Everything conference. But, you know, there are good reasons to think that at least some of the moon footage was shot there in Area 51. Most certainly none of it was shot on the moon. In fact, I don't even believe it would be possible to take photographs on the moon. I think that the cosmic rays would destroy the photographic plate. And, you know, all, although we have thousands of photographs, they're all perfectly framed and focused. The cameras were external to the spacesuits, and there was no viewfinder. There was no way for any of the astronauts 
to have focused or framed any of the photographs, which is right on his face, a proof that we did not go to the moon. But it turns out we didn't have the propulsion capability to escape low Earth orbit. We didn't have the computer capability to manage the trip. We didn't have the communication facilities to communicate back and forth. In fact, one of the real tells is many have noticed that uh, when you have communications, it, it, even long-distance phone calls over a distance, that there's a delay in you know receiving one another's transmissions. What's striking that although the moon is approximately 250,000 miles away, there was no discernible auditory delay in the transmissions. At one point, Radio Huffington Post put up what they claimed was a brilliant tweet uh, that put every moon landing skeptic to shame. It was really pedestrian. It was some physicist who said, anyone who thinks we didn't go to the moon should have their head examined. It was something as pointless as that. But I used it as an opportunity to start posting, you know, proofs that we hadn't gone. For example, moon dust either does or does not retain impressions. Now, since the moon has no atmosphere and no moisture, I suspect moon dust is no more capable of retaining impressions than the sands of the Sahara. And yet we have photographs showing rover tracks here and there. We have boot prints in photographs. We have one that includes a sneaker that wasn't worn by any member, any astronaut on the moon, but by a member of the set who inadvertently stepped into an area where it was retained. On the other hand, we have photographs of a moon rover set down, and there are no tracks in front or in between or in front of the wheels, so that either, either moon dust does retain impressions or it does not. If it does not, as I suspect, then how come we have all these impressions right and left? And if it does retain impressions, then how can we have a moon rover with no tracks in front or between or ahead unless it was set down by means of a crane? Jack White, by the way, who is a brilliant student at JFK with whom I collaborated on many issues, and it was a contributor to my books on the assassination, my original trilogy, uh, Assassination Science 1998, Murder in Dealey Plaza 2000, and The Great Zapruder Film Hoax 2003. Uh, Jack White also became involved in uh, research on the Apollo missions, and he did a very simple calculation of how many photographs were taken and how much time there was to take it and came to the astonishing result, mathematically impeccable, that if the official account of the number of photographs and the amount of time were correct, the astronauts were taking a photograph approximately every 50 seconds, which is completely absurd, given everything else they were doing allegedly during their visit to the moon. So that, you know, the proofs that we didn't go to the moon are simply overwhelming. You can find that show, like others to which I have alluded at jimtheconspiracyguy.com. And I have a brand new one just broadcast tonight. It's actually still being played because I'm having to record the shows in advance as far as the Sunday programs are concerned. Though the Tuesday and Thursday where I'm doing in-depth interviews are live and I'm able to interact with members in the chat room. So you want to check out the forthcoming talks with uh, uh, Pat McShay, who's a brilliant analyst who's talking about anarchists, terrorists, 
and traitors on the Tuesday show. This guy doesn't hold, pull any punches. And then we're on uh, Thursday, I'm talking with Art Olivier, who has published a brilliant piece on my blog about how this whole coronavirus thing and the mask yeah. and all that is a ritual ceremony and how 9-11 also was a ritual ceremony. So he's talking about 9-11 and the coronavirus as examples of ritual testimonies. I think those are going to be very worthwhile conversations. So once again, uh, uh, you know, thank you very much for the questions because the whole moon landing thing was a, you know, I thought it would be the most elaborate hoax in world history, but has been excelled uh, many times over by the coronavirus hoax, which in its scope and profundity of its consequences is overwhelmingly greater in magnitude. What else you got, Color? Jim, I just wanted to, wanted to hear your opinion on uh, the government housing the alien artifacts, alien craft down there in the Area 51 in the 80s. Well, I'll tell you, it's very interesting that that's uh, an area where I was about to launch into a very thorough in-depth. I had a stack of a dozen books, dozen of the best books about all the research on UFOs and ETs. I mean, obviously, there are plenty of unidentified flying objects. The question is, are any of them of uh, alien origin, uh, extraterrestrial? I have seen a video clip that appeared to be some little aliens. They looked very much like the figure in E.T. who wanted to, you know, phone home. Uh, and, And I do not know that that footage is not authentic. I do believe something happened in Roswell in Area 51. I've seen the report. Uh, by Vannevar Bush, who was in the highest-ranking scientific expert in the government at the time, and that looks completely authentic to me. So I'm very open-minded about it, but I haven't done sufficient research to go much further than what I've just said to you here and now. If you do, take take advantage of uh, looking at Bob Lazar. It definitely awakened me and awakened a lot of my friends to the whole aspect. They just saw it as a as sci-fi and you know as a as a joke but once they they looked into it there's a bunch of books on it there and youtube videos he finally made a movie um bob lazar and ufos in area 51 it's on netflix still i believe uh and it's very enlightening it shows you in depth about robert lazar where he came from he worked at los alamos and got headhunted by uh the who was who who made the atomic bomb not oppenheimer but um that was oppenheimer I uh, can't think of his name right now, but uh, he got headhunted out of Los Alamos and yeah, uh, and, and, and developed these and developed these uh, uh, worked on these alien craft by back engineering it, trying to see if any kind of U.S. technology is feasible with that, or if they, we can replicate their their technology. Uh, but and, you know, a lot of things happened, and um, he he became afraid for his life, and, and then went public, and that and that's how Area 51 came on the map with George Knapp and Bob Lazar, and and John Lear was part of that. And I'm surprised, speaking to John Lear so many times, uh, he hasn't spoken of Bob Lazar to you. Well, no, I haven't had that many conversation with John Lear. I've interviewed him maybe twice, I would say. I I like the guy. We've had other exchanges. He has views, some views that I don't find very plausible. But I mean, I admire him for the many contributions he's made, for example, to 9-11 research about the 
impossible uh, uh, flight trajectory of Flight 175, which as pilots for 9-11 Truth have documented, would have physically right. come apart in the air if it actually had been a 767 flying at the right. speed shown in the videos at that altitude. So I appreciate all that. If you wanted to write to me about uh, Lazar, I'd be very glad to invite him to come on my radio show. It's called now The Fets Presents, Tuesday, Thursday. And you can watch it at jimtheconspiracyguy.com. You could write to me at either jim at moonrockbooks.com or jimtheconspiracyguy at protonmail.com. And if you were to send me you know, contact information about Jim Lazar, I'd be glad to reach out to him and invite him to come on my show. Yeah, that, that would be a great show. You and Bob Lazar, I, I can't think of a better show. Honestly, Terrific. Well, I'm, very glad, I'm very glad you had the patience to stand by while Michael and I were discussing these matters, and I'm very glad you, you had these questions and comments uh, for me tonight. Thank you. Thank you on all counts. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, the, the pleasure's all mine. It's been an honor. You know, I've been listening to you, reading up on you for, I don't know, about 15 years now, and uh, it's really been a long time coming. Uh, I, I appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Take care. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's moonrockbooks.com if you want more content from Jim Fetzer, the professor, or as I like to call you, Jim, the freight train. <laughs> I love that. The freight train. <laughs> yes, All right. Jim. So, All right. So, Jim, it's always a honor and pleasure to have you here. I enjoyed our chat. As usual, Jim, like old times. Yes. Yes. Michael. It's really uh, terrific uh, being on with you. I always enjoy it. Yes, sir. And we will do this again very soon. Uh, Jim, plug anything you'd like before we shut it down. Oh, I'll just say, I think uh, for my latest, you do want to check out uh, jimtheconspiracyguy.com. That is the place to go. And I'm updating. I'm, I'm archiving all the shows I do right there on the page. So, for example, tonight's show, which is on issues of identity involving Lee Oswald, Noah Posner, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, and even Kamala Harris, you'll find it archived there in the next day or two. Uh, that's a show I think you don't want to miss. Very nice, Jim. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program, and the very best to you and your family, Jim. Thanks, Michael. Thanks on all counts. Wonderful. You got it, brother. Take care. You too. Mahalo. Bye. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Mr. Jim Fetzer. And uh, thank you for the phone call. And yes, thank you to those listening. And before we shut it down here, I believe we have one more audio clip to play for you. If I can find it, that is. I just had it a minute ago and now it's gone. Oh, that's terrible. Yes, I, I might have lost. Wait, no, I didn't lose it. It's right here. Ah, uh, yes. Now I have found it, boys and girls, and now we could close the show properly. In that video that you retweeted last night said that masks don't work and there is a cure for COVID-19, both of which health experts say is not true. She's also made videos saying that doctors make medicine using DNA from aliens and that they're trying to create a vaccine to make you immune from becoming religious. Well, maybe it's the so, same, maybe it's not, but I, I can't, I can tell you this. She was on air along with many other doctors. Demon sperm. They were big fans of hydroxychloroquine 
And I thought she was very impressive in the sense that from where she came, I don't know which country she comes from, but she said that she's had tremendous success with hundreds of different patients. And I thought her voice was an important voice, but I know nothing about her. Oh, yes. All this alien talk. It's a, a very hot issue right now. Everyone loves aliens. Now, boys and girls, I want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program as usual. And yes, I will return tomorrow night with my co-host, Mr. Mike Hideous, to shut it down once again. So once again, I like saying once again and once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Boys and girls, always a honor and pleasure to have you here. And uh, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so now. And uh, yes, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and CastBox, which I prefer, please go there to find the podcast rendition of this program. And thank you to those who donated. If you desire bonus content, please go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Lots of content there. Now, hopefully all goes well tomorrow night. And all of you show up. It'd be nice to have you here. Yes, don't leave, Mike. We were just getting started. I know. I know. I hate to shut it down, but we are running out of time. And I need to go outside for a moment here. So once again, boys and girls, I apologize. I would like to stay on longer, but I have some shit to take care of right now. So yes, always nice to see you out there. Don't worry. Come back tomorrow. We'll have more for you. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Under the moon, I saw you. So soon you'll take me up in your arms today to beg you. Oh, cancel it, though. I know it must be killing time. Unwillingly mine Fate Up against your will Through the thick and thin He will wait until You give yourself to to him.